we all want to be happier. But how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. Hello, and welcome back to the Positively Real podcast. I'm your host and your coach, Brittany King. How are we doing? A little pulse check. You might be here because you're concerned about how I'm doing. And I want to start by saying I am doing good. Um, I'm alive. And honestly, that to me is enough reason to be okay. As we know, this year has been a roller coaster, the highs and the lows, the peaks and the valleys, just riding the wave. And right now I am riding the wave. So a little bit of a low, but every day I'm working my way back up. So my goal for this show is to keep things real. And I had a different episode planned for today, but I feel called to share what I am experiencing right now. And it is very much a part of the human experience, uh, experiencing pain and heartache, and also experiencing the other side of gratitude and love. So I'm excited to share with you all of that. Now, when I'm working with clients or I share stories on my podcast, it's usually something that has happened in the past, not usually what I'm going through. So I am going to open up and share what I am experiencing right now because this is very real. And I know that I am not alone in this. And especially this year, I know a handful of women, families that are going through this. So I'm just feeling very called to talk about this. And especially for someone that knows or is experiencing this as well. So the first thing I want to touch on is this episode might be triggering. I am going to be talking about miscarriages and it might get a little bit graphic and I just want to give you a heads up. I'm not going to hold back and I just want to let you know that um, if you're not in a a good headspace to listen to this, don't, Um, but you can always come back to this episode um, if you're called to it, but I just want to let you know that ahead of time. Also, I'm not a therapist. And the tools that I share are are tools that I have learned through many of my coaching programs and tools that I use with my clients. And they have honestly been so transformative. I can't even wrap my head around how powerful it's been to have these practices in place um, as I'm going through a really hard, in, in my mind, a bit of a traumatic experience. So... I'm going to break this down into two parts. The first part, I'm going to share my story about what happened. And then the second, I'm going to share how to allow an emotion. So whether or not you have experienced what I'm experiencing, um, that doesn't matter because emotions are happening all the time. And especially this year, we've experienced a lot of emotions. So I hope that you get something from this episode. And if this makes you uncomfortable, you don't have to listen to it. So you can stop now. And if you're judging me for sharing something that's so personal and being vulnerable, then this definitely is not for you. Um, But I would suggest to have a little curiosity of why you are judging in the first place and why this conversation makes you uncomfortable. My goal, my hope, my intention is that this episode 
helps one person that's listening today. So let's get into the story. My story starts about 10 weeks ago. Oh, I mean, honestly, way longer than 10 weeks ago because we've been trying to get pregnant for a little bit of time. And it's so funny. The whole process is just so funny. We spend our whole entire life avoiding getting pregnant, just terrified of it. And then when we're like in a place in our life where we're ready to start a family, it's a lot harder, or at least it was a lot harder than I thought that it would be. And then we just talk about having sex all the time with our family. It's like, oh, are you trying? And then basically that translates to, are you having sex? And it's like, yes, we are. It's intentional. It's just so funny. The whole thing is funny. And then the other thing that comes to mind is the fact that we're all alive is a fucking miracle. Can we just take a moment to acknowledge that? A, it, so many things have to go right in order to be born. And I don't think I ever really understood the depths or what, you know, people say babies are miracles, which they are. And it, it truly is a miracle that we all exist. I can't get over it. Um, just the whole experience, even the 12 weeks that I was pregnant, I couldn't get over every moment. I was like, this is wild and so spectacular and so complex and just all of the things. So anyway, back to the start of my story. When I found out I was pregnant, I was shocked and I was worried that I wasn't going to be able to get pregnant because I was getting fertility tested and my progesterone levels were low, which means if your progesterone's low that you didn't ovulate. So I was very surprised when I saw the double line um, on the pregnancy test. And I found out at two weeks and I was like, so really, I mean, I was like a little bit pregnant and I kept taking pregnancy tests because I was convinced that it was wrong. And I thought that the two lines were kind of faint. So then I wanted to take one that said yes. And when I saw the one that said yes, I was got excited because we had been talking about it for quite some time. So any appointment that I, I had, I was very anxious. Something was going to go wrong, but each appointment kept getting better. My hormones, pregnancy hormones were increasing and the ultrasounds looked good. Um, and, and the ultrasounds went from a little tiny lentil that started to take the shape of a human. And then I heard the heartbeat and that was the craziest experience. Just knowing there was a heartbeat within my heartbeat. It still just makes my heart flutter knowing that that is possible. Is just so crazy. So the worry and the doubt started to melt away once I heard the heartbeat. And the reality of becoming a mom and figuring out how to become a parent with Brian, like that started to set in. And then all the future plans started coming. So excited. That was the topic of our conversation pretty much all day. Every day, we just couldn't stop talking about it. We were just so excited to figure out how to become parents. Just take on this new challenge because we knew it wasn't going to be easy, but we were just so excited to do it together. And that's the funny thing about the future. Like we think that the future is a later day, but we create it in our mind every single day. So when the present falls apart, so does the future that's associated with it. And that is rough. That is so painful. So everything was going well. The first trimester is just wild. You're just so excited, so nervous. You don't know who to tell. You can't talk much about it because something could happen, but then you don't think about what could happen because you have fear of speaking it into existence. So you're just kind of living in this limbo. And it's like you have this big secret and you're not 
talking about it because what if? But once I got to week nine, after I had the appointment and I heard the heartbeat, things started feeling pretty certain. Felt like we were out of the weeds and we just had to wait a couple more weeks until we could really announce it to our friends and family. And then last Wednesday, I was working on our holiday card slash baby announcement. We were going to announce that Baby King was coming in June 2021. So happy, so excited talking about the future, just so many things. And then that morning, I went to the bathroom and noticed some blood, but nothing that seemed super alarming. And everyone says spotting is normal. I even called my doctor's office. I talked to the triage nurse and she assured me it was normal until around 8 p.m. when there was more blood and the cramping started. So I Googled like, you know, anyone would do. And Google actually assured me that light cramping and bleeding was totally normal and fine. So I was holding on to that a little bit in denial. Brian and I both kind of knew, but we weren't going to say it yet because there was still a chance. So we went to bed and we were so restless. I mean, we both had it on our mind and the cramping started to get worse. So I was tossing and turning. I could barely sleep because it did feel like there was like an impending doom, like a big old cloud that was moving in over us. And each moment that went by, the cramping got worse. And then I finally got out of bed and I was holding on. I was resisting, resisting, resisting. I'm like, no, this isn't happening. It has to be something else. And as I resisted, the cramping got worse. I felt like there was something just jabbing me in the stomach and then moving its way up to my heart. And I kept ignoring it, trying to push it off and I couldn't push it off anymore. And as soon as I surrendered, that's when it started. Now it might get a little graphic. So I apologize if you want, actually, I don't apologize because this is, this is the real, this is the real deal. So you can choose to fast forward or you can listen to this, but Anyway, once it all started to flow, I saw tissue, I saw blood clots, and I saw something the size of a lemon, which according to my pregnancy app was about the size of our baby. And that's when it hit me. I knew what was happening. I couldn't deny it anymore. Couldn't resist it. It was here. I laid back down and I just started to cry. Each tear that rolled down my cheek where all the future plans and thoughts slowly being washed away. And Brian just held me as I cried and we both just knew we were just so sad, so sad. And then all of a sudden, all the thoughts, what did I do wrong? I thought I was doing things right. We were so far along. Was it the spin class that I taught? Was it the ice cream that I ate? How did this happen? Like just, woo. And my thoughts consumed my mind. And I was just wishing for a break that the cramping would stop so I could sleep just a little bit. And I couldn't tell what was worse. Was it the emotional or physical pain? Not that it mattered because it was both cruel. I mean, Mother Nature has a cruel way of doing things sometimes. So I had to get back up and I went to the bathroom and it just didn't stop for almost two hours. Blood, tears, clots, just tissue. I mean, everything. And by this time it was 2.30 in the morning and Brian is out of bed and he's worried. All he hears is me like crying and moaning and just, oh my gosh, terrible. So traumatic. He asked me if I'm okay. And at first I said, yes, I just have to let this pass. And this is what was so powerful is just the thoughts that were coming to me was just allowing things to happen, accepting the pain and just saying, this isn't happening to me. This is happening for me. And this was really powerful moment because I didn't have to search for these thoughts. They, they found me in that 
I've done this work for so long on mindset that it was amazing that those were the thoughts that just came up and they really did help me get through this. But by this time, the blood didn't stop and I started to get dizzy and lightheaded and I couldn't hold myself up any longer. So I had to lay down on the ground. I could barely breathe. The walls were closing in around me. And I remember looking up at the skylight thinking, is this it? (laughs) Is this really how I'm going out? Like I thought I was going to die, which looking back was definitely a panic attack. So the paramedics come, they sweep me up, take me to Scottsdale Osborne, which ironically is the hospital that I was born at. And Brian couldn't come with me because of COVID. So him and Benji had to hang back. And oh my gosh, the look on Benji's eyes, he was so concerned and trying to get on the stretcher with me. But I assured him I was going to be okay. And I was honestly glad that they were together. Although having Benji come in the ambulance with me would have been really dope. But we get to the hospital. It's nothing like the TV or the movies. No one even looked up when we entered. They carted me into room 40 and I just sat there. (laughs) And I honestly just was so aware of everything. It was crazy. I didn't have shoes. I didn't, I didn't have anything other than my phone and my water bottle. And I just sat there and I just couldn't believe it. Texted Brian. I let him know I was okay. Just completely in shock. But it was just so funny because I don't know, not funny, but ironic. Like they wouldn't tell me what was they happening, even though we knew it was a miscarriage and they had to wait until it was confirmed in an ultrasound. So I had to do a pelvic exam. I had to get three ultrasounds and then seeing the ultrasound screen and nothing in there was when it all, the reality set in, like the shock and the disbelief went away and it really started to settle in. Now in the hospital, I was very grateful for the ER doctor. She was a angel and was made me feel so safe and reassured me that everything was going to be okay and had incredible bedside manner. I was just very impressed with her and she made that whole experience that was really scary a little less and I felt very safe um, with being in her care. So once they cleared me to go home, it was like, I honestly felt like It was a walk of shame and I was feeling a lot of shame and guilt because I thought I did something wrong at first and I didn't have shoes. So they gave me socks and I just had to walk myself out of the hospital. I had to figure out where the exit was and Brian and Benji were coming to pick me up. So I had to sit in that waiting room that was empty and it's just raining. It's the first time it's rained in months, just such a sad and somber day. Brian picked me up and we went home. And just laid there on the couch and held each other and just accepted what had happened. And it was wild. I mean, so wild. I'm still just even replaying it in my mind. I can see everything so clearly and thinking, I can't believe that this happened. So when we got home, I pretty much cleared off everything, my schedule. And the only thing I had was my coaching call with a group that I'm in. And I'm so grateful that I kept that because I've been doing this work for a while. I've been coaching and I've been coached for some time. And what I have learned is that the worst thing that can happen is an emotion. Like the worst thing that you can experience is an emotion. And I was so open to feeling. And I even said, I was like, the worst thing that can happen is an emotion is I I feel this sadness. I feel this guilt. I feel this grief. And I opened up to it. And on the coaching call, I decided to just want, I wanted to be an observer, but no one volunteered to be coached. And on these calls, you can be coached or you can coach. 
and no one volunteered. So I felt the universe nudging me forward. And I was like, well, here I am in all of my human rawness, just full-blown experiencing just the aftermath. I just, you know, had gotten home from the hospital a couple of hours earlier. And it was so powerful just being in that space of that emotion, allowing the sadness to be there and experiencing it and not realizing that it's okay. Like I am okay. The sadness didn't swallow me whole. It didn't devour me. I'm like, I'm, I'm okay. And it was what really helped me. I mean, it's why I'm able to sit here and talk about this because I have been in this practice of allowing these emotions to come. And it's like a tidal wave. I mean, the sadness and the guilt and the shame, like it like came and it went. And then I worked through the guilt and the shame and that has gone, but the sadness is still there. And it's amazing to to work on these practices on a smaller level and then experience them on this big level and walk away and be like, wow, this stuff really freaking works. And it's amazing knowing that the worst thing that can happen is an emotion and then just being open to it. I mean, it kind of feels life-changing. It really does. Because if if I can experience these difficult emotions of sadness and grief and anguish and devastation, then I can open up to the other emotions too, the ones that I avoid regularly. So it does help with that experience. So it was really scary to open up and be vulnerable, but it was I'm so like the timing of that call could not have been better to help me start the healing process. So, I mean, there's still a lot of ups and downs and I'm st- we're still going through it, but between Brian and my family and my friends, I feel so loved and supported and it makes such a difference because it really does feel lonely at times, but I'm reminded every day that I'm not alone and it honestly makes things so much better. The thing about a miscarriage is a silent loss. Because if you haven't experienced it, you might not understand why it's so painful and the pain is so real. I mean, I think about my friends that have experienced this and I, I like, I'm, I like my heart hurts because I don't, I didn't show up the way that I wish that I would have knowing what I know now. And it just makes me want to hold them so tight and let them know that they aren't alone. A miscarriage loss, it's utterly dis- devastating and it's very complicated. It's hard to put into words the amount of shock and like the overwhelming amount of sadness that you experience in the aftermath. I did not know it was going to be like this. And I think a part of it is because it's still a taboo subject. Most people don't know how to respond to pregnancy loss and it can be well-intentioned, but most reactions are often insensitive, like asking why, why did this happen or what happened? Or at least you weren't saying comments like, at least you weren't further along. Like those have good intentions, but they definitely don't necessarily help. And I'm guilty of saying those things too. Like toxic positivity is in these situations can be really, really, really tricky. But I do believe that this type of pain and suffering is how we connect with others. And when we connect with others, the alone feeling, it starts to go away and we feel lighter and more resilient. And it's easier to move forward with a greater appreciation for our shared humanity. And it does just open up this space of compassion towards ourselves and 
others and just realizing that loss and and death and all of the difficult challenges in life that create a lot of pain and suffering is what connects us all. But I'm sharing this for a lot of reasons, but the silence around miscarriage, we got to change that because women who have loss, have experienced pregnancy loss, are often left alone in grief and wanting that relief. And it's a very weird feeling because you want others to understand your pain, but they might not. But I think if we changed the conversation and talked about it and made it not taboo, people would understand why this is so painful. Um, something that I thought that had come into my mind in a couple of days ago was like, how real is this suffering? Uh, because miscarriages is, are not necessarily identified as trauma. And because of that, it makes us feel like, is this even – Like, is this intense feeling of loss? Like, is this an overreaction? Because there's way worse things that happen in the world, but that's just a ridiculous thought. Like, the loss is loss, pain is pain. It does, it really doesn't matter. And I'm definitely beginning to understand that. Like, I thought maybe I was overreacting, but I'm not. (laughs) And neither are you if you've experienced this. So, I want to share with you about how I have learned how to allow an emotion. I am so grateful for Brooke Castillo and the Life Coach School and my coach and mentor and teacher, Natalie Brown, who has helped me understand how to hold space and allow clients to process emotion and has held the space for me to process emotion. So First, I want to talk about feelings. Okay, like what are feelings? And a feeling can be defined as a vibration in your body caused by a thought. So a feeling is a vibration in your body caused by a thought. So all of the feelings that I have had are all caused by my thinking. And I know this is true because as I processed the emotion, I could pinpoint exactly what thoughts were causing so much pain. So I know it's easy to think that feelings are involuntary and are caused by circumstance. But like I said, feelings are caused by thought. Now, why do feelings matter? Feelings matter because they drive all of our action. All of our action, everything we do comes from how we're feeling. So because we're not taught how to feel our emotion, it's something that we have to learn. And we're often taught by social conditioning that it's normal to escape negative emotion. But this is where we go wrong. Negative emotion is not a bad thing. We're not always just trying to live in positive emotion land. Like the human experience is 50% negative emotion and 50% positive emotion. And you go back and forth between the two. You're not necessarily supposed to stay in one longer than the other, but you can't have one without the other. The contrast of the positive emotion and negative emotion is what makes up the human experience. We would not know what happiness was if sadness didn't exist. So the contrast is so important. 
And I want to make sure that you don't think emotions are bad or good. Like we can take out the bad or good negative and positive emotion. It just has to do with the intensity of the vibration and the difficulty of the emotion. So it's not bad or good. It's just negative or positive based off of that type of experience. So there are three things that we do when we're feeling an uncomfortable emotion, which is a negative emotion. We resist. And this can be confusing because sometimes we think when we're resisting, it's the same as feeling, but it's not because if you resist, you don't get any relief. It's the difference between opening a door of an emotion or holding it shut. They both seem productive, but that resistance creates more tension and perpetuates the problem. So we resist. The next thing we do is react, yell, scream, cry. That is not the same as feeling. If you have an adult temper tantrum, that is reacting. That is not feeling. Sometimes we try to act our way out of our emotions and it sometimes seems like a release, but we're, we're not, we're not releasing anything. We're not processing or are allowing our emotions at all. Feeling does not look like acting. Feeling is something that you do as you sit in a chair and just experience the vibration. That's it. That's it. And it's way easier to do than like throw a temper tantrum. And the last thing that we do is avoid. And this is very easy to do. And I was the queen of avoiding negative emotion. And the common ways that we avoid negative emotion is by overeating, over drinking and overworking and overdoing. So I have made sure that I have given myself grace on my schedule that I'm not do, 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 doing. I'm taking my time. I'm easing into things. I'm not trying to spread myself thin because I'm not trying to avoid the emotion. I'm just allowing it to be here with me today. So I've been doing a lot of observing when everything went down. Like since I was laying on the bathroom floor, looking at the skylight, I felt like I just became the observer of everything going on. And I just kept reminding myself that it's safe to feel feelings are harmless A feeling is simply a vibration and nothing more. And I can feel without taking action or reacting to it. And that's the power of this work. It's just allowing it to be there. And like, as I'm talking to you, I feel sad, especially telling the story because it just brought up a lot of that emotion. And it's just here. Like I'm I'm here. It's here with me. Like, it's just like carrying a really heavy backpack and it's just a part of my experience right now, but it's not stopping me from being here and being present and sharing with you. So now I want to walk you through how to allow an emotion because allowing an emotion is a skill that you get to learn and practice. And I have been doing that. That's been my whole 2020 has been the skill of allowing an emotion to be here. And remember, it's not the same as reacting and it's not the same as resisting or avoiding, pretending it's not there. Okay. So right now I'm sad. And when I allow the emotion of sadness without resisting, I just notice by observing with compassion. I have a lot of compassion for myself and I don't even need to be curious because I know exactly why I'm sad. I know exactly what thoughts are causing it and I'm not trying to change it because if you just try to change, if you don't like how you're feeling and you have these thoughts, if you try to change the thoughts right away, it's like spraying Febreze over a pile of manure. Like It's still going to stink. It's just going to cover it up for a little bit. So I'm not trying to change my thoughts right now because I'm talking about this experience and and I feel sad and that's okay. So I want you to take a moment and check in with yourself. It helps to close your eyes. I like to often put my hand on my heart, just getting into my body. 
and ask yourself, what am I feeling? Just kind of breathing into your body, that space. And the simplest way to do this is to describe the emotion in detail. So when I'm working with a client, I have them walk me through what they're feeling, but you can also write this down. So you can write down, what am I feeling? Where is it in my body? How do I know I'm feeling this emotion rather than another? What is specific about this one? Does it have a texture, a speed, a color? So instead of trying to get rid of the emotion, see if you can breathe it in. And see if you can allow it by opening up your heart to it, moving towards it. Remember, you can handle the emotion. It's just a vibration in your body. And at first, you might notice your body wanting to tighten up against it. And that's okay. That's normal. Just relax your shoulders. Release it. Let the emotion be heavy. Let it buzz. Let it vibrate. Let it agitate. Let it be there. Whatever the emotion needs to do in your body, allow it without any suffering. It's just there. As soon as you start to observe and describe the emotion, you might feel yourself soften because you've accepted the emotion without judgment. And that's huge without judgment. It's just there. This practice is so powerful because you can only have one conscious thought at a time. So as soon as we get into your body and you start talking through what you're feeling, the energy, the vibration starts to go away because you're no longer thinking those thoughts that are causing the emotion. So most emotions uninterrupted last about 90 seconds. Now you might process it through, but chances are it's going to come back because your thoughts are going to come back. So as you go through this process of like, oh, here it is again. What was I just thinking? Like just getting into that space, getting into your body. Your body is so much amazing information and um, it's going to help guide you through whatever you're experiencing. So this is such an important skill to learn and it will change the relationship with yourself and the people that you come into contact with because you won't be reacting to everything, but you'll be more of a compassionate observer to what you're experiencing and what's going on around you. So there you have it. That's how you allow an emotion. And that is what I'm going through right now. Um, I hope that you got something from this episode. I hope that this helped you whether or not you've experienced a miscarriage or maybe you know someone that has and this helps you understand a little bit what they're going through. Um, But either way, I hope that there is something for you. And if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. I just want you to know that you are not alone and If you need help processing emotions, whatever you're experiencing this year, because 2020 has been an emotionally charged year, I got you. Send me a message. I'll be more than happy to walk you through this process of allowing an emotion. I know that if we get really good at feeling, we'll get really good at healing. And I think as a collective, we need to feel and we need to heal. And this is so big. This is so big. And I can't stress this enough. This is coming from someone that did not know how to feel difficult emotions for most of her life because I was thought that I always needed to be happy. I thought that I always needed to be okay because that's how people saw me. And when I wasn't happy and okay, I thought there was something seriously wrong with me. 
and there's nothing wrong with me. What was wrong with me was thinking that it was normal to be think that I need to be happy all the time. So that's ridiculous. That's impossible and exhausting. So this is huge and this is so important to me because I know that this is the way. Like for me, this is like my journey is really getting into this feeling place and helping others do the same. So if you feel alone or you feel like you need help with processing, I got you. Please don't hesitate to reach out to me. And if you have any questions, again, send me a message. I'll be happy to talk to you about my experience. If you experience something similar, just want to have a space to, to get it out. I am here and I am going to continue on um, sharing my experience because I'm in it right now. And I want to share what I'm experiencing, how, what I'm doing, what's working, what's not, um, in hopes that it can help someone else. So next week, be on the lookout. I'm going to share how to process pain in particular. I'm going to share some different mindset, um, and thoughts that have really helped me process the pain and hopefully it'll help you too. All right. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. I appreciate you so, so much for taking the time. I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your day and remember to love yourself, own your happiness and let your light shine because you are so worthy of it, my friend. And I will catch you next time. 